This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Hosted by Pastor Matt and Jessica Stahlbaum. Morning Breath starts now. All right, welcome to Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. I'm Matt, and this is Jessica, and welcome to our podcast and our video podcast. And today we have a special guest. We have a special desk and a special guest. Denver. What's up, Denver? It's Denver Cuddles Stallbaum, everyone. And you'll have to, if you're listening on the radio, you're going to need to go to our app. Facebook page. The East Coast app, the Facebook page, our YouTube channel, East Coast Christian Center, and see our French Bulldog, Denver. Now, for those who know me, you will um, know that I'm petting a dog, which means God can change anyone because <laughs> I have never had a pet in my life. This is the first dog I've pet, first pet I've ever had. And after months of just tough. It was tough. He was tough. He's stubborn. He was a tough dog. He's a tough dog. Like he was so stubborn and, but we are more stubborn (laughs) and now he's a good dog and I'm petting him and enjoy him. And when our kids are gone at school, he is like my shadow. So yeah. Um, fun. Well, you're, you're in morning breath right now. This is a show, a radio show and a podcast where we read the Bible. Today we're reading uh, Mark chapter 12. We talk about it. We encourage you with what God has encouraged us with. Um, sometimes you have a book of the week. Uh, sometimes you don't. Um, it's been really busy in our lives and I haven't had a chance to read as much as I enjoy okay. reading. So, But I've seen, I'm seeing you read. Are those like fiction books? Yeah. Okay. Nothing and to recommend. Good. They're good, but yeah, I got nothing to recommend right now. Okay. I, I'm going to recommend the beginning of a book I'm in, and that's uh, The Advantage, Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. Now, this is a business book. It's not a Christian book, but a lot of Christians read it and like it, and it helps. And Patrick Lencioni tends to speak to Christians fairly well. Mm-hmm. But if you're an entrepreneur or a business person, uh, this would be a book to to look through and you know glean something from if you'd like to learn how to build better culture in your business or organization. Um, so we're in Mark chapter 12, and uh, you're going to read first. I so uh, I must get you started. Oh, where and, am I reading uh, to? 44, I'll read to 22. You start right. at 23. All right. Let's read. Jesus began to speak to them, the chief priests, scribes, and elders who were questioning him in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower, and he rented it out to tenant farmers and left the country. When the harvest season came, he sent a servant to the tenants in order to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. They took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another servant, and they threw stones and wounded him in the head and treated him disgracefully. And he sent another, and that one they killed. Then many others, some they beat and some they killed. He still had one man left to send, a beloved son. He sent him last of all to them, saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to each other, this man is the heir. Come on, let us kill him and destroy the evidence, and his inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw his body outside the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He'll come and destroy the tenants and will give the vineyard to others. Have you not even read the scripture? The stone which the builders regarded as unworthy and rejected, this very stone has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it is marvelous and wonderful in our eyes. And they were looking for a way to seize him, but they were afraid of the crowd for they knew that he spoke this parable in reference to and as a charge against them. And so they left him and went away. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus in order to trap him into making a statement that they could use against him. They came and said to him, "'Teacher, we know that you are truthful and have no personal bias toward anyone, for you're not influenced by outward appearances or social status, but in truth, you teach the way of God. 
Is it lawful according to Jewish law and tradition to pay the poll tax to Tiberius Caesar or not? Should we pay the tax or should we not pay? But knowing their hypocrisy, he asked them, why are you testing me? Bring me a coin, denarius to look at. So they brought one. Then he asked them, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, pay to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they were greatly amazed at him. Some Sadducees, who say that there is no resurrection, came to him and began questioning him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us a law that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, his brother is to marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first one took a wife and died, leaving no children. The second brother married her and died, leaving no children, and the third likewise. And so all seven married her and died and left no children. Last of all, the woman died also. All right, verse 23. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as a wife. Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken, because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. But concerning the dead, that they rise. Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first command, uh, the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other like he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared to question him. Then Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said, by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David himself calls the Lord, uh, David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. Then he said to them in his teaching, Be, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplace, marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much, and one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which made a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself, and he said to them, And surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who had given into the treasury, for they all put out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Amen. Uh, Where do you want to start? Wherever you want to start. <gasps> I want to start at that last thing. I just think that's so 
it, it's it's something that she did. This widow gave everything that she had, and it just showed the like state of her heart. Like her heart was all in to God. Like it was sold out. Like and she trusted him implicitly to be able a widow. She has no husband supporting her. Who knows if she had kids to support her? And she's just giving all of herself, and she's being talked about everywhere in the world for the rest of time, you know? So I just think it's an incredible story and just so um, convicting, but also like encouraging for us to know that we we are called to give God our all, to be very open-handed with what he has poured into our lives because it's all from him anyway, and to trust him, to know that if he calls to give, calls us to give something, it's not going to be a problem. Like our provision is from him a hundred percent. I think that's especially important for us to talk about in the season we're in where people have lost jobs. People have been furloughed for months and months. They don't know if they're getting their job back. I heard Disney, their furloughed employees, a bunch of them, they said, you're not going to have a job again after this. Like there was hope that you were going to, and now your hope is gone. And just for us to know that our hope is always in Jesus and our provision is always found in him. And um, yeah, just really encouraging. I like that. I, I like the idea that um, Jesus is not evaluating people in the same way that we tend to evaluate. Like, you know, if you were to look at all the people that were important in your life, you know, you'd, you maybe even like a business, you'd say, well, this person, you know, is a stakeholder and they're generous. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of influence, and a lot of power. This person knows a lot of people and and then, you know, as a pastor, you might be saying, well, who should I care about in the church? Should I care about the people that are that are all in and they have money and they give and they're powerful and influential? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not how this thing works. We have to look at people's heart. We have to look, are people all in, in their heart first? And mm-hmm. and he basically neutralizes all of that stuff. And, he, and he, he basically says, you don't evaluate people based on their money, based on their power, based on their influence. Uh, in fact, Jesus did this through uh, Matthew, the, um, uh, I believe it's chapter five, where he's done the Sermon on the Mount. I could be wrong on that, but Matthew... Sounds right. I think that's right. Matthew chapter five, where he's saying things like, you know, you've got to look at the heart. If you have anger in your heart, you, you're committing murder. You don't need to commit murder to be wrong. It's the anger in your heart. When you lust, you're, that's, you're, you're committing the sin when you're lusting, not just the act of adultery, but in your heart. And he turns that in a positive way here. And he says, look, when, when you're doing everything that you can with your actions, it might not look big. It, it might be only two pennies compared to $10,000 that someone might be able to give, but it's received as just as big as a gift because you're giving it with all of your heart. With mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people get, um, they, they draw back from being generous because maybe if they go through something, they can't be as generous, right? Maybe if you were giving missionaries like $100 a month and right now you're like, man, I can't afford that anymore, um, you know, so I won't do anything because you think, well, maybe my $5 or my $10 doesn't matter. I, it does matter. Mm-hmm. It does matter. And it, it matters to the Lord and it matters to uh, you and it matters to that missionary. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I just think it's really powerful what Jesus is doing here is, is he's not, he's removing the natural human tendencies to value people based on what they can give and the amount that they can give. And he's removing that and putting value on people who um, are either all in and authentic, or maybe they just they go around like these Pharisees with long robes, looking super cool, but you know they're dead on the inside. Um, that's I, I love that too. 
Yeah, he was really calling these religious, quote unquote, people out of the day of like these people who look on the outside like they have it all together and have a lot of power and have this prestige that maybe people like this widow would be like, I could never be like them or I could never gain that level or status or whatever that is. And Jesus is just saying that amounts to nothing. That is so superficial and shallow. And he, God does not look on the outward. He looks at the heart and he is the one who can see the heart and see the motives and intentions. Um, and so that's what we need to spend a majority of our time working on our character and knowing the word of God and giving him our all. And just this, this thought of obedience, like, Let's obey what God tells us to do. I, I like what we, we say this at church sometimes, but it's always our heart is we never want to ask you to give a certain amount. Like we want everyone to give $5,000 today. We want you to ask God what he wants you to do and then obey, obey. Like that's what we do. That's how we operate in our lives and in our giving. Every time there's something special to give above tithe, then we just say like, God, what do you want us to do? And we pray individually and we come into agreement on what we feel the Lord is saying. And I just think that's super important. Yeah, I like the idea too that um, I just in a non-financial way, God doesn't expect you to give what you don't have or to compare with somebody else what they're doing. He expects you to come as you are and mm -hmm. give what you can give to him. And I mean, I love that because if you're broken and you got nothing and you come to the Lord and you say, all I can give you, God, is is my heart, my trust, my faith. Mm -hmm. It's not much, but it's what I got. You know what the Lord does? He receives that. Yeah. He says, okay, you don't need a lot. You just need to give what you have. And I think it works financially. I think it works with uh, your attitude. I think it works with your thinking and just being available to give what you have to the Lord. And here's what happens. I love this verse in Second Chronicles uh, 9, or Corinthians 9, 9-11, is that when you give out of your generosity, uh, thanksgiving is uh, given to God. And so our our gifts, our generosity, and and take it out of the financial realm and put it in just the, the ability to, to give what you have. If that's a, a good word for somebody, if that's a good attitude, if that's time, if that's help or care, people actually thank God because you're willing mm, to give. That's so good. And, uh, and I love this line, and it's something that I think we're going to be using a little bit at church for, for a while, is um, your generosity... Uh, actually, God's grace is multiplied to others by your generosity. Mm. So God's grace is given through your generosity to other people that they might thank God for what is going on in, in their life and, and what they see coming out of you. Um, one of the big passions of our heart and our church is that we are willing to give um, to people that can't give anything back. Uh, we're willing to serve the community we're willing to serve uh, and connect with people. Um, we recently were asked to help at a school, and uh, we had 20, 30 people make time on a Saturday yeah. at 9 a.m. to just go help. It's, yeah. it's kind of in the heart of our people. Yeah. It's in the heart of our people uh, to just give when there's no one else around to do it. We'll do it. Um, what else did you see in, in this? Well, I think it goes along with what you're saying. It's um, verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, life, and with all your mind, your thought, your understanding, and with all your strength. And this is the second. You shall unselfishly love your neighbor as yourself. Denver is protecting us from no nothing. <laughs> don't mind him and don't mind Matt going to get him. Um, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart. First priority for us. I think that's why it's great to, if you can, and I think it's a great habit, even if it's one minute, five minutes, 30 minutes, it doesn't matter. If you can give God the first part of your day, it will change your day. It will change your mindset. It will set you up for success in a huge way. And so I love that part. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then love your neighbor as yourself. How do we unselfishly love people? We give to them. And like you said, take it out of the money room. We served at a school. Well, give them your love, right? Yes. It starts with that. Show your love. And you, again, are showing, by your generosity of giving, you are revealing God to people who don't have an accurate picture of him. They see you and they're like, that is different. That is different that people would be taking time out of their day and their resources and going to help on a Saturday when they could be at the beach or on a boat or whatever. Like it, it makes isolated a big difference. Yeah. And hiding. Yeah. People, so our team showed up with masks and like we just did it and it was so cool. And uh, I seen some people that just kind of came out of the woodworks and said, I'm in, I, I want to help. I want to mm-hmm. make a difference. And I think it's neat that people, uh, well, I think it's important, not neat, that you have a mission uh, in your life that you're still believing, that you still say, this is what I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. Even in these unprecedented times, don't let the enemy steal the mission that yeah. God's put in you. In fact, I preached about that this weekend. Uh, if you want to go find that message, you can on our YouTube page. You can find that wherever you look for East Coast stuff. But one of the most important voices of our life is the mission that God gives us and that we give ourselves to. Here's something that I've noticed. More people are, are so interested in the sound of their voice more than they are the sound of God's voice and the mission that he has for their life. Yeah. It's like, you want your voice to have impact? The most impacting voices on the planet, without question, are Jesus and the Apostle Paul. There is no voices that have more impact in the world that we live in right now. And Jesus gave his all to the mission, to the mission, right, of God. And Paul gave his whole life to the mission of Jesus. And their voices are louder than anyone else's voices. They weren't focused on their voice. They were focused on the mission mm. and the voice of the Lord. Uh, quit, you know, quit self-promoting on, on Facebook and, and YouTube and Instagram and Twitter. Start promoting the Lord and the mission he gave to you. And your voice will get louder. Yeah. People can hear a difference. They can hear when you're promoting yourself or you are actually following the mission that God gave in your life. Not to mention, God's mission will open the doors to the impossible. You know, the apostle Paul was called to the Gentiles, but you know, he was also called to the Jews. Mm-hmm. And he was also called to the kings of the Gentile people. And yeah, okay, so that'd be like me saying, I'm called to Rockledge and Coco and the county commissioners. Now, which is it going to be easier for me to do? Head over to Coco, head over to Rockledge, or get in front of county commissioners? It's going to take a supernatural work to get in front of those county commissioners, have an mm-hmm. impact in their life. Well, when God gave Paul that mission in Acts chapter 9, God also provided the way for that to happen. And there was supernatural power to fulfill that mission that God placed in Paul's life. The same would work for you. When you give yourself to the mission, when you love the Lord God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, when you love your neighbor, I think that that's getting into territory where what specifically am I supposed to do with God's love? What neighbors am I supposed to go after? 
what people, what mission, what, what plan does God have for my life that's in specific? And when you do that, God will give you the power. That's really good. I want to go back to this part about um, in the course of his teaching in verse 38, it says he was saying, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes displaying their prominence and like to receive respectful greetings in the marketplaces. And they love the chief seats in the synagogues and the places of distinction and honor at banquets and on and on. And I think when I see this verse, I just think of like, know those who labor among you. We need to know people's walk with God. We need to know that they're authentic and we need to help people have an authentic walk with God. So reading your Bible and learning it, being in community together, not staying in isolation. Because when we get in isolation, we can believe lies and we can believe that lies are actually completely true. And it will mess you up. It will. Me- it has messed me up. It will mess everyone up. There's a scripture in the Bible, and I think it's in Isaiah. It talks about, um, it's either Isaiah or Romans, that talks about that light becomes as darkness and darkness is as light to people. Where, in other words, where darkness sh- it should be evil, you, you take that darkness and you say, well, no, this is good. Mm. And it's so easy for anyone to be realistically corrupted by a false truth or something evil and to turn around and go, no, this is my life. You know, uh, you, you could see it a lot of different ways. You could see it with with drugs. You could see it with, uh, let's say, an eating disorder where someone says- mm, That's a good example. You know, like, I've got to eat like this to be like this because this is good. And we would all know, say, no, 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 that's killing you. And they'd say, no, no, this is this is what I have to do. Mm-hmm. I have to be like this. And there's, a, there's that propensity within people. And it truly is buying into a lie and, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on what were you going to say? What else were you going to say? Well, I was just saying, like, how important it is to be surrounded by community. and it brings I, you back to the light. Yeah. When you when I spoke at Beautiful You, which is our uh, event for 7th to 12th, 12th grade girls, it was a packed house. And there were girls there from 7th to 12th grade, and they uh, came in. What's cool is we got they got free clothes at the end of it. But before that, we had a time of worship. We had a time of small groups. And then I shared a message and I talked a lot about what are the, what are the lies you're believing and what are we as a sisterhood called to do when someone is believing a lie? We're called to call that lie out. We're called to bring truth into that situation. But it definitely starts with personal responsibility. So I told them all that this is what I do. And I think everyone should do this in some way, shape or form in their life, but keep a lie list. So in order to do this, you have to actually think about the thoughts you're thinking about. So thoughts come in your head all day long, right? Think about what you're thinking about. Think about the actual thought that came into your head. And then you need to ask yourself, is this true? Like, for instance, I was talking to these young girls and I was like, have you ever thought of the thought that you're not pretty enough or even you're ugly? Where did that thought come from? First of all, is that truth? And who is saying that God, the voice of God would never say that to you? And where is that coming from? That thought is not from God. And therefore, it is not true. And what is true? That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so you make a lie list with this is the thought and it's a lie. But what is the truth that combats that? And so we, we need to help each other find the truths. And so that's what we did. We, we gave them a list of lies. We gave them a blank piece of paper and said, write down the lies. Just think today what you've been thinking about. And when you do that, it is like, Shocking. That's so good. I want to bring up this verse real quick. Uh, when Jesus was questioned about paying taxes and he answered this and he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. And, you know, they were basically asking him like politic question. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to challenge us right now. 
Um, so many of us are tempted to give everything to politics right now, our thoughts, our mind, our, our time, our Facebook posts, or this or that. Um, politics are important. They are different than what God would have yes. for people. Like when you're voting in America, you're pretty much, you're stuck in four, four parties with two main ones, mm-hmm. Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, and Kanye West. Okay, birthday party. <laughs> I was like, what All right. the <laughs> There's no way that God can accurately be defined in any of those parties. Um, and you can't compare your politics to the Lord. Now, you can do your best as a believer to make votes towards your faith. And, and I would say that I'm a Christian first. Mm-hmm. Like in my politics, I'm a Christian first. Yeah. No matter what, I'm a Christian first. But here's the thing. If you're rendering under politics what are due to politics and you're not rendering unto God what is due to him right now, you are going to be so off balance. If you're paying more attention to the news than you are to the Lord, Mm -hmm. it's no wonder why you're struggling. So come on, let's give God what's God's. Yes, we got to get out there and vote. Yes, we got to support the things we need to support. But first seek the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We really appreciate you listening and watching this show. Take a minute to share this podcast out to somebody today. Now we're going to tend to our French bulldog who is yodeling He's the us. worst co-host he is ever. Signali- he's signaling the end of the program. God bless you. <laughs> Bye. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Hi everyone, Kevin Barfield here with Barfield Contracting and Associates. We are a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. We're located in Cocoa Village, but we service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. We also offer many discounts, military, senior. As always, we offer free estimates and we appreciate every opportunity that we're given. We're at 454-4531. That's 454-4531. Barfield Contracting, treating you like family. God bless you. Pineapple Garden Assisted Living Facility, located in the Rockledge Vieira area. Affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved one is safe and secure. Please visit us today by going online at pineapplegarden.com or call 321-405-CARE. We want to be a church that's focused on God, focused on the people on the inside, and focused on the people on the outside. Love God, love the church, love people, because we're building a life-giving church that lasts. East Coast Christian Center. Join us every weekend, Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. East Coast Christian Center is located at 680 North Courtney Parkway, Merritt Island. The Avenue Worship Center. Enjoy a fresh brewed cup of coffee with friends and family. Service times are at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at 85 North Richland Avenue. East Coast Christian Center, Coco. We now have three services every Sunday morning at 8.15, 10 o'clock, and 11.45 a.m. Located at 1855 North Friday Road, Coco.
For more information, call 452-1060, extension 100. That's 452-1060, extension 100. Or visit us online at eccc.us. That's eccc.us. East Coast Christian Center, building a life-giving church that lasts. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.